Let's, uh, let's get back to uh, Romans chapter 5. I mean 8. Verse 5. Okay. Um, let me read to you um, just verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. That's kind of a unit it really, the unit really goes through verse 13, but we're going to kind of treat it like that, just for convenience sake. Um, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now guys, let me, let me try to get a run and start here for you in terms of an, uh, the, um, uh, the context. Look at the, the end of verse 4. Well, actually, go back to verse 4, and you'll see that the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled. The righteous requirements of the law, there were two. Number one, there was it demanded obedience and it penalized disobedience. Both of those requirements were met in the finished and accomplished work of Christ. Those two things, those righteous requirements were met when Christ became the sin-bearing substitute. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, in whom was the righteous requirement of the law fulfilled? He tells you in that last clause, they are people who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That is, for the people who are described by that last clause down there in verse 4, those are the people who can um, confidently trust that the righteous demands of the law have been met. By Christ for them. Now let me let me go back. Um, all right, let, let me. So, beginning in verse five, what Paul is doing is further explaining what he means by "do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Do you see what he is doing in verse four? He is saying that this. No condemnation um, can be can be confidently enjoyed by a certain group of people. This this glorious assurance can be possessed by certain people. Those people are first in Christ. That is that's one of the descriptions. But there are people who can enjoy this promise. And there are people who have no right to enjoy this this promise. The people who can confidently believe that this promise applies to them are people who walk in the Holy Spirit. Versus... Another group of people who cannot have any confidence that this describes them. And those people are described as people who walk according to the flesh. 
So he is contrasting two groups of people. One group of people can hide in the shelter and the beauty of this promise that there will never be any condemnation. What do those people look like? Well, those people walk in the Spirit. But the people who are described in this other category, who walk according to flesh, have no right nor any confidence that this is something that is for them. And and you remember the last time, two weeks ago when I was with you, what I said is, he only has two categories. And we talked about the third category that doesn't exist. By the way, John Roach. Aren't you here, John? Yes, there's John. You know, I, I told you um, that I had that little pamphlet about the, the three circles. Well, I had lost mine. John gave me one. So I've got mine back, uh, which I'm so glad about. But anyway, uh, we talked about there's not a third category. There's only two categories. It's this category and this category. If you want to see the classic illustration of there being only two uh, categories... Read the book of Proverbs. What does the book of Proverbs do? Tell me. What, in, 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 not, not only, but one of the main things that the book of Proverbs does. What does it do? Contrast who? Godly versus, uh... the, the, the righteous versus the wicked. That's all it does. It says the wicked does this, the righteous do this. The wicked do this, the righteous do this. It doesn't say the wicked do this and the righteous do this. But by the way, there's two classes of righteous that don't do exactly this. They do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. No. There's only the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. There's only two groups, ladies and gentlemen. Only two. And they are this group that walks in the Spirit and this one that walks according to the flesh. This group cannot claim this. This group can. And then in verse 5, what he does is begin to give you characteristics of each of these. He's comparing them. I'm going to tell you what this looks like. And I'm going to tell you what this looks like. So here's what we got to do. We got to go through verses 5 through 8 once and find out what this looks like. Then we got to come back and we got to go through 5 through 8 again and pick out from there. Let me see if I can show you. Um, Look at verse 6, for instance. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see the contrast? Uh, if you're this, you got this. If you're this, you got this. So what we got to do is go through these verses and pick out the characteristics of the people who walk like this. Then we got to come back to those same verses and pick out the, the characteristics that point like to this or describe this. Um, are, you, are you with me? So I, I just arbitrarily chose to start with this. We could have started over here, but we decided to start over there. All right? We're going to describe people who walk according to the flesh and about five different traits. We can't do them all tonight. In fact, we might do number one. Um, And these are the people who have absolutely no claim to this promise of no condemnation. Okay? That's what Paul's doing. And he does that from verses 5 through 13. He's contrasting. You you know, um, uh, the righteous... The righteous requirements of the law were fulfilled in them, but not in them. Now, let me tell you what they look like, says Paul. That's what he's doing here. All right. So, um, look at verse 5 now. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Do you see it? There it is. One versus the other. 
Now, gang, um, I have a lot of little verses for you. I'm going to write them up here on this board, but I'm telling you, I want you to see these verses. So I'm going to kind of uh, slow down. I want you to see these things because I think there's, we don't, we don't do this a lot, but we're going to thumb around in our Bible some because I want you to see some of these texts. Paul has made this glorious assertion in verse 1. That is, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What he now proceeds to teach us is that there, is, there, the, um, that there are those about whom this is descriptive, um, and then there are those about whom this is not descriptive, uh, or it's not available. The ones who can claim this are those who walk in the realm of the Spirit. But the others are described in the first half of verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. What Paul is doing is comparing and contrasting the Christian with the non-Christian. Um, and all men belong to one of those groups. There's not a third option. They belong to this group or this group. Uh, now, what do those people look like? That is, this group over here, what do they look like? They walk according to the flesh, and the term flesh pretty much is used in the New Testament to describe, or no, no, in, in this context is used to describe to one's fallen nature. You know, I, I don't want you to get hung up on that. Um, th- this man is habitually dominated by the nature with which he was born. Okay, that 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 first born, uh, that first birth that brought this thing with you, that this person is dominated by that flesh. But in what ways does that? I mean, what does that look like? He says in verse five, those who live according to the flesh. Here's what they do: they set their minds on things of the flesh. How does walking according to the flesh? show itself or manifest itself, it, it, it reveals itself in the, um, the possession of a certain mind. That is, there is a carnal mind, and we'll, of course, come back and talk about a spiritual mind when we come back in a couple of weeks. But, um, guys, the first thing that Paul mentions is that there is a, there is a certain Mind. Now, by that word, he's not talking about a brain. He's talking about a perspective. He's talking about a way things are viewed. He's talking about a a brand of thinking that is dominated by earthly and carnal stuff. They just habitually think in a certain way. Certain things um, are objects of their desire, objects of their pursuit, objects of their of their of their um, their love. Their their mind uh, is is a, is something that gives them a whole way of seeing and evaluating and prioritizing all of life. Now, guys, um, I, I, we're going to get a little bit more specific, but. When I start talking about a carnal mind, the thing that seems to come to people's consciousness the most readily is we're talking about sexual stuff. 
No. That's one of the things. But it's not just sexual, physical sins. But it's a worldly mindedness, ladies and gentlemen, um, that, that, that spiritual things just aren't important to them. Gang, uh, Paul is not describing here with this language some grave, desperate, despicable, lion in his own vomit kind of person in the gutter. That's not what he's describing here. He's describing a man who thinks about, cares about, pursues very little, any of the things of God. They're just not his interest. Um, and, and, and guys, when, 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 when I start talking like this, the whole definition of this, of this man broadens. We're not talking about some sexual tyrant. We're talking about a man in whose mind spiritual things just aren't important. And when I, when I talk like that, folks, people get very upset. They get very uh, uncomfortable because the moral man hates this, this, this idea. Because he, he, he scoffs. I mean, he, he likes to think of himself as, as very, very different and very much above the degenerate, you know, sex fiend. And he is different. But the difference is only skin deep, ladies and gentlemen. Because um, we're not talking about ugly old rot gut pornographic carnality. No, we're just talking about a man who has a view about life in which God and spiritual things just aren't important to him. Oh, there's a lot of things important to him, but not this stuff. Now, guys, I, I want you to go to, and we got a couple of quick things to do. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. I think most of you know that that's uh, uh, a very kind of famous passage of Scripture. Um, in my little translation, it talks about walking in the Spirit, right? That, those are the English words that are, you know, that aren't in the text above verse 16. But I want you to look at, uh, look at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. And we know that one. Fornication, we got that one. Uncleanness, we got that. That's fine. Lewdness, we understand what that is. That's all that, that carnal stuff. But notice what else he adds to that. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. That entire verse, verse 20, has nothing whatsoever to do with anything sexual or physical, it is all stuff done on the inside of you. When we are talking about a carnal mind, ladies and gentlemen, we're not necessarily talking about some sexual pervert. We're talking about somebody in whose mind spiritual things just don't matter. They're not important. Um... I've got several other texts, but I, I, I wanna, I, I'm going to close with this, and we'll come back and kind of fill in some blanks next, next week. But there is a, there's a quote that I have for you. First of all, let, let, let me just say this. Do you notice, first of all, the connection, the very close connection that the Scriptures make between how you think and how you live? The mind and actions. 
gang, um, what I think I live. What you set your mind on shapes how you live. Now, but, but here's my quote from Archbishop William Temple, whoever he is. He says, your religion is what you do with your solitude. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, where does your mind go? Where does your mind roam? Where does your mind go most freely when there is nothing else to distract you? Where does it go? The reason I wanted to close with that is because I, 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 I prepared this even before I went to the Florida and, and, I'm, and I'm walking down the beach. And there's some distractions, but at my age, you know, they're not quite as distracting as, uh, as they, and there's not as many people, you know, and they're all from Canada and they're all retired. And, and uh, you know, so the distractions aren't as, you know, as blatant. But you're walking down there. Where did your mind go? Tell me. When you're walking down the beach, tell me, where did your mind go? When there's nothing else to distract you, where does it head? What do you do when there's no distractions? What do you find yourself fixing upon? What do you do with your solitude? Where does your mind most easily and freely roam when it's allowed to do so without distraction? Where does it go, ladies and gentlemen? There you will find the carnal mind. Forget the sexual perversion. Yeah, that's one little item here. But, but where, what, is, what occupies your desires, your, your preoccupations, your, 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 uh, your value system, your whole sense of priorities. Gang, where does it go? Where does it go when it's allowed to roam? Huh? Because if, it, if, it, if you find it that it habitually lands on the coral, Oh, my dear friend, don't try to hide under this. It's not yours. It is not yours. I, 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 can't, I can't read your mind, and I, I guess we're all glad nobody can do that. But you know, you know what occupies. You know what you do with your solitude. And in that solitude you will find whether you have a carnal mind or a spiritual mind. Our Father, I do pray that you will um, illuminate your word to your people. Um, If I have clouded it, um, first of all, forgive me, Lord, for my inadequacy and shortcoming. But what little lucid truth there is, use it to bless it to the hearts and souls and minds of those who listen. Oh God, uh, forgive us that we have grown so uh, affluent that we have so much distraction. And yet, oh God, In those times of solitude when there is no distraction, our hearts find great pleasure in remembering that we are loved 
that we are sons of God, that we are in Christ. And as such, there is for us now no condemnation. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks, guys, and good night.